your Bible or your phone or tablet, something you'll be looking at the scriptures with us this morning. We will be in Philippians chapter 3. Um, Philippians uh, is, just as a brief recap, um, is written from a prison in Rome by the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul is writing to a church that he dearly loves. Um, he is, it's near the end of his life, so we're looking at uh, probably 61, 62 AD. It's about 13 years since he's planted the church. Um, he is hopeful to get back to them, but it's just writing with affection, looking to continue to pastor this church. Um, the, the church in Philippi is located in kind of a, a strange place. Um, the city, um, because of some military battles in the past, is really pro-Rome. Uh, they have actually been made a Roman colony, so there's a high level of allegiance to Nero, um, to to the Roman nation. They've actually um, sent a lot of ex-soldiers, uh, veteran soldiers, back to Philippi um, to populate the area. And so Paul is writing to a group of people who are beginning to um, suffer some opposition. Um, under Nero, who's the current emperor, persecution is only going to continue to ramp up in Rome. And they're, they're beginning to see that. Um, just even the question of who you're going to bow a knee to, who are you going to show allegiance to, um, is going to be a big deal when Nero demands, when Rome demands allegiance. And so this, this letter is looking to encourage them. He's telling them, listen, I want you to be steadfast. And the only way you're going to be steadfast and able to, to put up with whatever opposition comes your way is if you're unified and you do it together. And so he's, he's holding up Jesus as, as enough, as sufficient, um, and looking to call them to some, some hard things, um, to some hard, to, to not grumbling, right? To, to having a mindset of Jesus in humility, of being unified in the face of opposition. And so this morning, as we look at this text, um, I think there's a, an aspect of, of Christian life um, in America where we expect, we expect our religious like, activity to be easy to some degree. And I think we expect it to be easy because grace is free. And, and grace is like provocatively free. Right? Like the, the fact that, that salvation has come and you bring nothing to the table. Like that it is a gift that is undeserved, that is received. And you bring nothing to the table. Right? Can begin to feel like almost too much. Like it's not going to be appreciated. Or should we... Like, one of the questions that was asked of Paul was, hey, should we just keep on sinning so that we can show how big God's grace is? And he's like, no, like by no means should we do this. And yet grace is provocative because it's undeserved. And so we say things like let go and let God, which right is not a biblical idea, right? Like that we're just going to let God do whatever he wants to do in us. He's, he's wired me the way he has. And when he wants me to be different, he'll do it. When he's ready, he'll change me. Um, and, and that's not what we see in Scripture. That we feel like maybe our attention to spiritual disciplines should be easy. And, and when we approach Scripture or we approach prayer and it's not easy, then we feel like we're doing something wrong. Because if, if salvation came freely, shouldn't this come easy as well? And so we're going to see Paul begin to address this idea a little bit in Philippians 3. So... And we finished verse 11 last week, but we're going to go back and read beginning of verse 10 um, in chapter 3. So Paul writes, That I may know him, meaning Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, 
that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. All right, so Paul is, is a little bit... Um, there's, there's some arguments here that he's making that he, he says multiple times, right? So we have, it, it can feel a little bit wordy and a little bit convoluted here. Um, but here's what's, what's going on is Paul is laying out a picture of a sprinter, okay? And listen, he says, I've all, not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect, but he said, I, I lean forward, I strive to the prize that lies ahead. He's talking about like an Olympic level athlete, right? Getting in the starting blocks, and running, that he's straining forward, that he's running, that he's reaching ahead. He's got his eyes on the prize. He's got his eyes on the finish line. Um, you probably know this about me. I'm not a runner, right? Um, I had a baseball coach that told me one time if I ran any slower, I would be going backwards. Um, and so I, that was, uh, I'm, running is not, not my thing. And yet as we look at the Olympics, as we look at um, high-level athletics, whether you're a, an athlete or not, there's some, there's some things w- w- that we just know. Um, there's some things that we can learn from watching this. And so, first and foremost, there's kind of a starting point that Paul's going to give us here in verse 13. And he says this, So brothers, I do not consider... Uh, sorry. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus, in verse 12, has made me his own. He just makes sure that we are reminded once again that the starting point is not what you bring to the table. That grace legitimately is undeserved. That it's, it's mercy that you're given. You have not earned it. You have not gained God's attention. And he says, well, I'm going to give you salvation because you're trying so hard and doing so much. He says, listen, I'm going to run in obedience. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to trust him because he's made me his own. Right, because he's brought me into the family, because he's adopted me as a son or a daughter of the king, because he's done this. And so as we look at this kind of provocative grace, it's important for us to know it is costly. We just aren't the ones who paid for it. Right? That that it's not a cheap grace that can be like flaunted and thrown around, but it was costly that that Jesus steps into into human history. Right? And we, and we know these things, and we don't want to become too familiar with them, right? So that we kind of just move on by. That he was crushed on our accounts. That he was mocked and humiliated and beaten. That he goes to the cross and absorbs the wrath of God. The punishment for sin was poured out on him so that it's not poured out on us, right? That he absorbs and takes these things and satisfies the wrath of God. And so the grace that is given is given with a cost. It's not cheap. We just aren't the ones paying for it. That he's made us his own. And so because he has moved first, because first John would tell us that he has loved us first. Thus we can love God in 
response. And so we can do these hard things that he's asking us in the book of Philippians to be humble, to have that mindset of Christ, to to show allegiance to the king, knowing that persecution will come from Rome, that we can do things without grumbling or murmuring because we're trusting the character and the nature of God. Like that Paul wants us to make sure that we have this starting point, that God has done it first. And because he's done it now, we walk in these things. We walk in the works that have been created for us before the foundation of the earth. That we are faithful and trusting of him. And he even gives a quick correction in verse 12. Just kind of a, hey, just, just making sure here. I want you to know, not that I have already obtained it, or am I already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. It's just kind of a, a just in case he's saying, church, I'm not perfect. I have not arrived. It is still a process for me. And so he's not asking them to do something that he's unwilling to do. And he's not expecting something of, of leadership or of apostles that, that the, the rest of the church isn't. Listen to what he does in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained it or that I'm already perfect, but I press on. And we get down to verse 15. He says this. So let those of us. Right. He, he, he segues from this I language to this we, this us language. That no one in the church gets off here. No one doesn't have to press on and strain and strive after Jesus. But it's important that we see that he has made us his own first. And then we strive. We do not strive to be made his. It is a free, undeserved gift that is as big and as beautiful as we can imagine it to be. And then we walk in obedience to him. So we see this idea now of an athlete racing. And if you think about any, any athlete at all, um, especially kind of in an, an Olympic type thing, they have a goal, right? Like there is, there's something that they're racing for. And so maybe it's making the Olympic team, right? Maybe it's a specific race that they're running that they, that they know they're going to make the team. They, they want to win. Like they're looking for a medal, right? That they're looking for fame, Listen, any athlete worth their salt is, has a, a direction that they are working towards. A stated goal, a stated purpose. They are not aimless. They're not just kind of running one day and then like, well, I might go race. Like, they, there is a distinct plan in place moving forward. There is a goal in their minds and they are putting all their energy into moving towards that. What Paul is saying is he's like, I want you to have this idea, this analogy of a runner because as Christians we have a goal as well he's like I have a goal there's a place that I'm headed and if I'm headed there like a runner then I know where I'm going and listen to what he says he says I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own verse 14 I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus I think it's important for us real quick to see that the prize, right, is, is, is knowing Jesus. It is getting to be with Jesus. It is verse 11, that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. So he says, where I'm going is Jesus. What I want is Jesus. I want more of him and I want to be with him for all time. And I want to have the resurrection from the dead. Like I want him. Right? It's not, hey, I, I want to have an easier life, a simpler life. It's not even, I just want to avoid hell. It's, I want Jesus. 
And there's a day where he is going to either call me home or he's going to step into history again. And I want him. And so I'm, I'm, I'm putting him as the finish line and I am running towards him. But he's the one that put me in the starting blocks to begin with. And so I'm taking off after him. And listen, he doesn't say the payment for your good works is you get Jesus in heaven. He says it's not payment. It's a prize. It's a reward. It's a gift. And we were gifted to be in the race in the first place. In Hebrews 11, um, the author says, listen, that, that he goes through some of the Old Testament saints. And he's talking about Moses. And he says he, he was looking forward to a, a, a heavenly city. Abraham was looking forward to a heavenly city. And because they were looking forward to this thing that they had not yet gotten, right? They didn't have it. They hadn't grasped it yet. But they're looking forward to it. He says, because of that, they were able to let the fleeting pleasures of sin fade away around them. They were able to not put their hope in this world or in this kingdom or in this city because they were looking to one that was coming. And he says, this is like before Jesus, they're looking, trusting the character of God. Church, we have Jesus. He is he has been in the flesh. He has beaten sin and Satan and death. And he is alive to hear our songs and our prayers and our cries and to, to meet with us now. And he says, Paul is saying, I want you to lift your chins and to run after him. Right? Like as, a, as an Olympic style athlete that we are running after Jesus. That I want you to gain him, to know him. That we would long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Right, so when I think about that, sometimes we make it too broad. Like, when I, when I break down the, the, the aspects of my life right now, I want to hear Jesus say to me, well done, good and faithful servant as a husband. I want my wife to have flourished because she was married to me. Right, like her walk with Jesus is her walk with Jesus, but I want her to have been in a, in a better place and more Christ-like because she was married to me. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, as a father, that my kids were not exasperated, but they were loved and pursued, and that, that I, if, if any good came, it was because I was reflecting Jesus, who's already done it, who's already a good and healthy and holy father for us, right? That, that I pointed them to him, and I was consistent in pursuit of them, that he would say, well done, good and faithful servant, simply as a believer, that I continue to pursue Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant as a pastor. Right? I, I want to I make it not just this. Yeah, I want him to say, well done. I want him to look at my life and say, well done, good and faithful. I, I long for that. And if I have that trajectory, that goal in mind, it keeps me on the race when sometimes I want to drift away. That, that we would have this picture of hearing him say that wherever you're at in life, that we would feast with him, that we get to be with him, that the treasure would not just be that we avoided some things in life, but it's that we get Jesus. Like, church, do we have that mindset, that view ahead of us? And I want you to, to hear this. Like, Paul says, What do I want? I want to know Jesus. Really, Paul? You heard Jesus' voice. Like, he knocked you off a horse and saved you. Right? You have planted tons of churches. You're one of the most influential people who's ever lived. Put on that mission by Jesus. You wrote a good portion of the majority of the New Testament. Right? People were healed because of your ministry. 
Like you had a lot of Jesus. And he's like, I want more. Right? So if Paul is saying, I haven't arrived and I want more of him and I can't wait for that. So to live is right. Like to live is Christ and to die is gain because I get him. Church, like he's painting this for the church in Philippi and he's painting it for us going, is that your finish line? Is that your goal? Are you living in light of this? That the one who has known you, the one who has saved you, the one who has loved you, the one that has brought you into belonging, that you will be with him face to face. Like, does that stir your hearts? Does it motivate you? And the second thing is an athlete doesn't just have a goal, right? We don't just have a goal. They have a plan, right? They have a, a regimen, something that they're doing. They're not just like waking up one day going, I think I'm going to go be an Olympic athlete. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to hopefully beat other people when I run. Well, it's like, I got to get better. And their plan is not aimless. It's calculated. Nothing is wasted. It's intentional. There's a stated purpose, and they are diligent, right? They don't think that they can do it on Mondays and then do whatever they want the rest of the week, and then I'll I'll train again on Monday, and and I'll be good. Like, they don't drift into being a fine-tuned machine, right? Like, they, they, they are diligent about it. Church, you're not going to wake up one day and be godly and be wise just because you live longer. Right? We don't drift into holiness. You don't just wake up one day and go, man, all of a sudden the Bible makes sense. And look how holy I am. Like, I mean, I did read my Bible that one time. Right? Like, you know, I did, I, I did run that race one time. Like, it, that's not how it works. And we understand that when it comes to athletics, right? That you don't just stumble into the starting gate. That there was a plan that got you there. And so Paul is saying, listen, you have to have the goal first. Right? You've been put in the starting blocks by Jesus. There's the goal of where we're headed. And now there's a plan of getting there. And listen, for a lot of us, we don't, we don't like this. We want, we want spirituality to be a little more like ethereal. Like a little more mysterious. Right? Like, like God just kind of makes me what he wants. And what has Paul told us? Is we work out our salvation with fear and trembling that this God is at work in us. That anything good that's coming out is because God, who is alive, is at work in us. That we should be in awe and trembling at this. Because he's not just saying, hey, figure it out. But he is bringing forth maturity and sanctification. He's working off rough edges. He's allowing sin to be dealt with and defeated. He's allowing past hurt and trauma to be cleared out. He is making us into the image of Jesus. We are new creations. And you are not on your own, even as you read the Bible, even as you pray, even as you gather in gospel community, like that he is at work in us. It is a holy thing. And yet I think for a lot of us, we are trying to drift, stumble our way into it because we don't have a plan. Like we actually lack a plan. And the fact is, is this morning that most of us could quickly, could quickly throw up on a whiteboard what should be a part of that plan. We should have the Bible, we should have prayer, and we should have each other, right? I need to obey those things. It is simple, right? It is simple. It's just not easy, right? Because you could say, well, a runner needs to run this amount, 
and he needs to sleep this much, and he needs to eat this food. Simple, but why don't more of us do it? Because it's not enjoyable always, right? There's things that we have to, to, to give, get rid of, things that we don't get to hold on to. We're going to look at counting the cost here in just a moment. But listen, it's, it's being involved in the family of God. Right? It's not just that we show up on Sunday mornings or that we show up in gospel community. Those, it's not just things that we're trying to do to fill your week. It's because God has called us to be a family and to live out dozens of one another statements together. Listen, and sometimes that's not pleasant because it means you've been sinned against. It means you have to forgive. It means you have to carry someone's burden. It means you have to be inconvenienced. Right? It's why Paul is saying, listen, church, I want you to be unified and steadfast together, thinking of others as better than yourself. Right? These are not easy things. Right? And we, if we're at home doing that, I think a lot of myself. Now I'm with you, and I have to, I have to think of you. And now I need Jesus, because I really want to think about me. Right? That he's calling us to do this in relationship with one another. Listen, what would an athlete do if they didn't know a, a plan? They would ask someone who's done it. They would say, what do I need to eat? What do I need to avoid? How much do I train? How do I not train too hard? Like they would ask for a coach, someone to lead them in this. Church, there's no reason to leave this morning having not, if you lack a plan, having not said to someone, Hey, can you help me develop a plan? Like, how do I read and understand? How do I pray and feel like my prayers aren't bouncing off the wall? How do, I, how do I forgive? How do I walk in obedience? How do I do these things, right? Is that we need a plan and we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to create a new one, right? The church has been following one for a couple thousand years. And Jesus has been faithful to meet us in it. And so we walk with one another. We encourage one another. We lock arms with one another. We help each other learn how to interpret Scripture, how to read it correctly. We, people who pray, we're like, I want to sit with you when you pray, because I don't pray like that. Right? That we do this together. Listen, if you were going to start a business, you would go ask someone who started a business. If you were looking to save money, you would find people who had saved money. If you want to be a better parent, you find people whose kids seem to listen, right? And you would say, right, help me implement some things in my life that would make me, right, a money guy, a business guy, a parent. That we would ask for help and we would not be ashamed to do it. So church, would we not be ashamed to say, hey, I've known Jesus for a long time and I probably feel like I should have already figured this out, but I've never asked for help. Would you help me? There's no shame in that. That we want to walk together pursuing this glorious image of Jesus. Listen. It's not just that we lack a plan. For some of us, we have a plan. We just lack effort. Right? That we... We just don't really want to. And we don't really like what that reveals. And so we kind of play the spiritual game of like, I'm not like, yeah, I read my Bible. Yeah, I pray. And, and I'm going to quickly move off of that conversation because we don't like that. It, that maybe I don't view Jesus in a way that makes me want to know him. 
And yet if we have this finish line that Paul has laid out for us, right, the, the motivation issue, the effort issue should begun to be dealt with. But church, what we feed grows. I mean, it's a conversation I have with my kids all the time. That if whatever you're feeding in your life, whether it's laziness or hard work, whether it's saving money or spending, like whatever you're feeding, it will grow. Sin or godliness, what you're feeding will grow. And we will do what we want to do. We'll do what matters. We'll do the things that we care about. And so if we're not putting forth effort to pursue Jesus, right, then we have to ask why. What are we not seeing rightly about ourselves that we don't need him? Or what are we not seeing rightly about him that he's not sufficient because he is? And we do need him. Church, I think it's important for us to notice here with the lack of effort piece and even the lack of plan piece is that, that Paul doesn't, like he's not got a bullwhip out like beating them. He's not even laying out a time frame. He's saying it's a process. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still striving. I'm still leaning forward. And until Jesus calls me home or until he comes back for us, I'm still moving forward. I'm still straining and striving for that finish line. Listen, when we, when we look at people and say, hey, that looks easy for you. I don't read my Bible, but you do because it's easy for you. Like that's, that's putting down the hard work that was put in to figure that out. Right? When you look at someone and say, man, marriage is just easy for y'all. It's really hard for me. You're saying, like, no marriage goes, it's always been easy. No arguments. None. Right? Never fought about anything. Never disagreed about anything. She's just been smooth sailing for 40 years. Right? Or four years or four months. Right? Like, right? It's like there's effort that has been put forth into it. There's been hard conversations. When you look at someone whose kids, right, are, are doing really well, you're like, well, you just got better kids than me. Mine are broken, right? Like, no, like, there was energy and effort and hard conversations that were had and consistency that was done and consistency that was done and consistency that was done, right, to begin to draw out children who are obedient, a healthy marriage, a successful business, a love for Scripture, a robust prayer life. And to look at someone and say, well, it was easy for you is offensive. Right? Because you're saying that you're ignoring the effort that was put in. So listen, you watch an Olympic athlete run a race and you're like, oh, it's easy for you. You're a natural athlete. And they'll slap you, right? Like, they're like, I had to work and sacrifice for years to run a 10 second race. Right? I, I didn't just fall into the Olympics. I put forth energy and effort to get there. So church, are we willing to put forth energy and effort? Are we willing to toil for more of Jesus? Because he's already given us himself. We're not striving to get him. We're striving to get more of him. Right? To know him more. Listen, I, I have Carmen as my wife. I continue to pursue her. Right? Because I enjoy her. And I want her to know that I enjoy her. And I want her to know that I love And so some of the things, I do them over and over and over and over again. I say the same things and I do the same things. And it's not dry because the relationship is, is vibrant. So yeah, it's reading your Bible and it's prayer. Right? But Jesus is alive and he meets us in it. And he has given us his spirit. And his word is alive. And if, if it's dry for too long, something is wrong. 
right? There are seasons of difficulty. There are seasons that we have to push through, and we just have to be disciplined with prayer, and we just do it. But if that's all it's ever been, then something is off. So let's ask for help and say, okay, seem to have a block here. I seem to have some dryness. Like, what do I do? And we ask people for help. And we trust that it's a process, and there's no one out here with a stopwatch saying, I'm ashamed of you. Too slow. Do it again. It's not happening to the church. It's step by step, moment by moment, day by day, year by year of growth. And some of you will shoot off like bottle rockets, and some of you it will be slow and steady. And no one is saying one is better than the other. It's just simply that we are straining and striving towards that finish line of more Jesus. And the final thing for an athlete is not just that they have a goal, not just that they have a plan, it's that they count the cost. Right? Because their eyes are on the prize and they have deemed that as being worth their time and their energy and their effort, then there are things that they sacrifice on a daily basis. There are things that they give up on a daily basis because they have deemed something else as worthy. And so circumstances in their life do not deter them because there's a goal. And so they're just like brushing things aside to say, but that's where I'm headed. I understand that you want me to go do that, but this is where I'm going. I understand you want me to, to, to eat that, but this is where I'm going. Right? I understand you want me to sleep in, but this is where I'm going. And they're not deterred by it. So church... Paul is asking us, he's saying, like, do you have this vision and this plan, right, that will allow the circumstances of your life not to wreck you, to not to throw you off course? So listen, being an empty nester and being a mom of four under five, not the same time in life, right? And so the freedom and the flexibility those two people have is vastly different. And guess what? Jesus is really gracious. He's really gracious, right? That it's not about, well, I've got to spend an hour and a half in prayer and 45 minutes in the Word and 30 minutes memorizing Scripture, and then I'm going to go. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. It's about saying, Jesus, I want more of you, and I'm going to give you what I've got. And some days it's going to be 12 minutes because everyone is screaming at me. And other times it's going to be, I've got, I've got hours to give, and I'm going to give that because I want more of you. It's being willing to look at the things that get done every day in our life and say, what is it that I'm doing that I'm choosing to get done, maybe in lieu of meeting with Jesus? Because if we're honest, we like ease. And pursuing Jesus isn't always easy. And we like comfort and pursuing Jesus isn't often super comfortable. And so when our attention begins to fall off of the finish line, then we, we can begin to think, I'm doing okay. Like, I'm, I'm doing okay. Like, I know Jesus is there. I'll holler if I need him. I'll, I'll just kind of do my thing. And we begin to drift away. And we're not drifting into holiness. We're drifting away from Jesus. And so then circumstances knock us off. Because as soon as circumstances get rough in our life, Paul's in prison. If Paul's goal in life was easy and comfortable, he would quit talking about Jesus because they would let him out of prison and life would be easy. But his goal is not that. His goal is Jesus. 
And so he's willing to allow a lack of ease and a lack of comfort to hit him. And he goes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to keep talking about Jesus because I want more of him. And so when circumstances in life hit, when COVID hits, when, when job loss hits, when cancer hits, when di- difficult relationships hit, when unruly children hit, when these things happen, if our life is about our own ease and our own comfort, we're like, where's God? Because this isn't the, way I, the thing I wanted. But when it's, I want Jesus, then we're asking, how do I glorify God in the midst of these particular set of circumstances? And I trust that he'll meet me in them. Because he's proven to be faithful day in and day out. His grace is sufficient. And his mercy is enough. And he is gonna, he's using even this to shape me and to make me more into the image of Jesus. So Paul says, One thing I do, I forget what lies behind. In verse 13, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. What lied behind... What laid behind Paul? Well, his resume that he laid out in Philippians 2, of all the, the good that he had done. But you know what else was in his past? He persecuted the church. He hated the Christians. And so he's able to say, like, I'm the chief sinner. I've warred against Jesus and his people. So he's, he's forgetting both the good and the bad in his life and saying, but what I want is more of you, Jesus. So I, I'm laying those things aside and I'm straining after you. J.I. Packer is a, a, a theologian who has died in the last couple weeks. He had a quote one time where he said this. When we ask the question, why is this happening? Fill in the blank. Why is this happening? He said, often we may not get an answer. But when we ask the question, how do, I, how do I glorify God in this happening? There will always be light. Because there's always a response of how to trust Jesus in it, even when it makes us cry, even when it makes us weep, even when it makes us long for a better day, even when it makes us wish that it wasn't happening. That there are ways that we can glorify Jesus in the midst of it. Church, what Paul is calling us to this morning is this, that we would be satisfied in him. That we would be hopeful and willing to put in effort and toil and work because Jesus is a treasure. So, for us this morning, maybe what needs to happen is we need to repent over a lack of effort. That we've just been way too independent for far too long. And we haven't just we just haven't put forth any effort. We put forth effort in other areas of our life and we're like, Jesus, if you want me to be holy, you got to do that because I don't have any time. Maybe we need to repent of that we have fed the wrong things. And so our appetite for Jesus is just really small. Maybe this morning what the Spirit is doing is He is giving you eyes to see that you are pouring your life out and it's not for that finish line. That you are toiling for something that will never satisfy. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Look at me. I promise I'm enough. You will find all the satisfaction, all the joy, all the hope, all the peace that you could ever long for. Or maybe it's just this, that we're, we need to not, maybe we don't need to repent of these things. Maybe it's that we just need to ask him, would you give me eyes to see you in the finish line like this? Because if I can see that, then, I'll, then I can run. And right now, Jesus, I just don't see that. 
So maybe it's that your eyes have been dimmed, or maybe it's that for the first time you're realizing, have done some religious things, and I just don't know Jesus. And that you would ask him to save you, to put you in the starting block so that you could run this race. That we don't do it aimlessly, but we do it with intentionality, counting the cost, making much of him. Church, and we want to do it together. We're not running, right, a bunch of races. We're all running the same race together. And so we can be on the path, lifting each other up, lifting each other's chin, helping each other along, encouraging one another, looking and going, look at where God has been faithful. We can keep moving forward. That's what we long for, Redeemer, to be that kind of family and that kind of church. Let's pray. Father, this morning... Lord, I just confess that I don't always look at the finish line. Um, but sometimes, Lord, I just look at the next step in front of me and just hope that, that someday it'll be easier, someday it'll be a little better, someday I'll have a little more energy or a little more time. And, and, and God, would you just remind us that that's not what you've called us to. God, that you have called us to make much of you now while we look towards the day We get to know you in fullness, face to face. God, would we be a people who would long to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, in whatever aspects of life you have called us to. God, would we not feel alone in that, but would we know that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. You've given us your word that is alive. You've given us your spirit to indwell us. You've given us your church, folks to walk with us. God, that you have promised us that you're coming back for us. Lord, that you're alive to hear our prayers and to intercede on our behalf. God, that we have everything we need. So, Father, would we be willing to put forth the energy and the work and the effort to toil for more of you because you are worth it. So, Father, for those in the room who need to repent this morning, God, would we do that? God, for those who need to ask for a plan this morning, would they do that before they walk out the door and become distracted? And God, for those of us who need our chins lifted to see you more clearly, would you allow the things of this world to grow dim and fade away that we would see you as the treasure that you are? God, meet us. We need you. In Jesus' name.